Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 21. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is the word of the Lord. That's a solid and strong word, amen? Amen. amen? amen. Well, good morning, fam. Today's sermon is about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Everybody say, filled with the Holy Spirit. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And the crux of this argument today it hinges on these six words. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. This term, being filled with the Holy Spirit, is one of the most controversial words and works of the Holy Spirit in all of the Bible. Ask many Christians today what this means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and you might get a multitude of answers. But I don't have today time to talk about all these doctrinal issues, all these doctrinal theories. I don't have time for that. I only have time today to talk about Something for the church. Do y'all hear me? Do y'all hear me? Whether we are right in our evangelical circles or not does not matter today, right now. I have a practical, simple, and life-changing word to give to you today. What better day to do this but on Pentecostal Sunday? God and his spirit coming down to make us new people. I can already see Webb shaking his head right now. Amen. Amen. On September 11, 2016, John Mark got up here and by the power of the spirit preached his voice out. Boy, he preached that sermon. And he was trying to get us to see that the Holy Spirit was a very power for our families, our friendships, our marriages, our churches. Our churches depend upon this power of the spirit and everything hinges upon being filled in the spirit. This is not something that you have to do in order to be loved by God. When I say be filled by the spirit, what I mean is this. Be filled with the spirit. (laughs) That's what Paul says. Be filled with the spirit. And we're going to get into that here in a second. But in first Corinthians chapter six, verses 19 through 20, it says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit for you were bought with a price? So glorify God in your body. Fam, when you gave your life to Jesus, you received the Holy Spirit promised to you. And you did not do any works to get it. No works that you did gives you the Holy Spirit. So that's not what we're talking about today. 
We're not talking about a second indwelling or anything like that. We're talking about something that leads us into more joy, more peace, more love, more self-control through the power and the word of Christ dwelling within us. Okay? So ultimately today, the goal is to inspire you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that lived and dwelt within God's people in a new way at Pentecost is the same one that dwells within you today. That is why we are celebrating Pentecost today. If you don't get anything else from this preaching today, get this. Know what time it is. Know the will of the Lord. And be filled with the Holy Ghost more than anything else in the entire world. Because that is where joy and freedom and life are. With that being said, I just want to take a second to pray that the Holy Spirit would help us learn this word today. He would teach us because that is one of the chief functions of the Holy Spirit to lead us into the word of truth. And so I just want to take that time right now. If you just bow your head with me, take a second, ask the Holy Spirit to help you and help me. And then after a little while, I will lead us in prayer and we'll jump in. Our Father in heaven, we desperately need you. And we need your spirit to teach us today. Because I think this is a word for us today. Lord, there's so much that we need to be filled with and to be taken out of. And Lord, I pray that we'd be open and empty vessels today that you'd fill us with your spirit. So that we may be new and transformed day by day by the renewing of our mind. Father, would you do that today? Help us, Lord Jesus. We need you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. What does it mean to have the Spirit freely moving in us according to the text today? That is our main agenda. What does it mean to have the Spirit fully moving in us today according to the text? I want to say first... It is not, and then second, it is. Okay? First, it is not, and then second, it is, according to our text. First, it is not walking in foolishness. Let's look at verse 15. Look carefully, then, how you walk. Not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 16, making best use of the time because the days are evil. Verse 17, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. The Bible has a lot to say about foolishness. But recently I've been meditating on a wisdom series done by a man by the name of Harold Bullock. And Harold Bullock started taking some wisdom principles and then broke up the years and decades of life and growth trajectory. And one of the things I thought was really interesting about this is that for me and for a lot of us in here, the 20s and the 30s is just not our strong suit for wisdom. <laughs> There's a lot of foolishness sometimes that we d- we dwell in, but God wants to change that, and He can by the power of the Spirit. 
Oh, man. Proverbs 12a says, a man who is commended according to his good sense, a man is commended according to his good sense, but the one of a twisted mind is despised. Meaning, if you are a fool, then people ain't going to like you. But if you got some sense, then people going to like you. <laughs> we have to hold that intention, though, right? Right? Because Jesus was wisdom incarnate, correct? Christ, wisdom personified, ultimately was despised by men. Smitten and beaten for the sins of the world and ultimately nailed on the cross. That is so contrary to what we do, correct? Jesus was persecuted for right living. Sometimes we get persecuted for wrong living. Or actually, we're not really getting persecuted. It's our fault. (laughs) But Jesus went to the cross and died for the sins of the world. Not because he did wrongdoing, but because he did rightdoing. So... If you feel like you're getting persecuted today, sometimes you're going to do right stuff and people ain't going to like you still. That's okay. Keep doing the right stuff anyways. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But the church... Okay, has a responsibility not to let the world hate us for our wrongdoing, according to First Peter 2.20. But instead, we can be people who are full of the Spirit and walk in wisdom, and we don't have to be people who are persecuted for that. It's okay if we get persecuted for right lifting, light living. It's okay. It happened to Jesus. It's going to happen to us. But... We can at least control the foolishness that we do. Isn't that correct? Amen. And one of the main ways we do this, I think, was really interesting in studying this, was not being drunk on much wine. Look at verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. As soon as I pressed on that button right there, I bet there's some people who got in their feelings. Uh Uh-oh, he he said wine and drinking much of it. But I like my wine. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh, are you awake? Uh Uh-oh, I went there. I didn't really have to. The the text did. (laughs) I think some of us are running to excessive indulgences with wine. Let me give you some statistics real quick. The NIAAA, okay, the National Institute for Alcoholic Association, or something like that, <laughs> said that 27%, 27% of people right now in the last month have indulged in excessive drinking. Fam, that's more than a quarter of the people in the United States. 
Look to your right and your left. Every four persons, one of those people probably did it. We hope that's not the case in the church. And I'm believing that of you. But that's just reality. Debauchery and much wine is a nasty master. There are no better examples of this than two people in the Bible. Do you guys remember Lot? Do you guys remember Noah? Lot was a man probably did not follow the Lord. He was not a man who was trusting in the Lord. Y'all ever had that friend that kept doing bad stuff and you had to keep bailing them out? Right? That was what Abraham had to do for Lot all the time. Well, eventually, God said, I'm going to destroy this place called Sodom and Gomorrah. And God took Lot in his mercy because Abraham prayed for him. Out of there, his wife turns into a pillar of salt because she turns back and looks and disobeys God. And then he goes out, and he's with his two daughters. Y'all remember this story? Mm. I got some mm's up in here. (laughs) His daughters get him drunk. Two consecutive nights. I think he learned the first time. But he got drunk the first night. One daughter lays with him. He gets drunk the second night. Another daughter lays with them. And they get pregnant. And it starts a whole world of trouble. Mm. Drinking is a horrible master. To excess, that is. But that's not just for people who don't know God. Noah was God's man. Noah knew God. Noah was chosen to build an ark that all the animals could dwell in, his family could get on, they could be saved, and they could be spared from the destruction. And then he gets off the ark, and he comes down, and he becomes a man of the land. And he starts building a vineyard, and he starts loving it a little bit too much. And he starts making wine, and then he gets drunk. And the Bible talks about a certain son named Naaman. Naaman went into his father's tent and said, Dad naked. Dad naked. <laughs> Ran over to his brothers, said, Hey, yo, Dad's naked. Dad's naked. Come see this. His other two brothers said, Ooh, mm mm, ain't good. Walked up into the tent. Turned their backs to him, put the, put the cover on him, covered his shame. Noah wakes up and is like, yo, who saw me naked? Naaman, I'm cursing you. Your name's going to be Canaan. Now, if you guys know who Canaan is in the Bible, that ain't good, right? A whole bunch of stuff came from Canaan that was just nasty, right? Somebody should have told Noah, though, that if he didn't get drunk, he wouldn't have to curse his own son. Fam, drinking is a horrible master. 
But instead, God wants us to contrast that. Instead of being people filled with much drink, he wants us to be people who are filled with the Holy Spirit. This is a direct contrast. No, this is not get drunk off the Holy Spirit, but this is be sober-minded in the Holy Spirit. And Paul is saying this as a command, not a suggestion. Be filled with the Spirit. If you're reading this and you get to the translation and you start reading the translation, you start going, okay, what does this mean? And being filled with the Spirit literally means be filled with the Spirit. (laughs) But I believe there's a lot of things we can look up in the Bible to see this. If you're studying the Scriptures, you can use something called the analogy of faith, which the Reformers use to interpret the Scriptures. And basically what it means is to, is scripture interprets scripture. And so we can use other scriptures to understand what this means. What does this word be filled with the Holy Spirit mean? Well, you can look at a couple of them. You can look at some examples of people's lives. John the Baptist in Luke 1.15 says that he was filled with the Spirit from birth. And I think this is a really interesting uh, correlation, but... John the Baptist had a special mission from God, and so he wasn't supposed to touch fermented drink. And there are a ton of others. Look up Zacharias's dad, John's dad. Look up Pentecost in Acts 2. Look at Jesus being full of spirit and being led out into the wilderness in Luke 4. And you'll see a pattern that God's word is linked to being full of the Spirit. But none more are more linked than Colossians chapter 3, which is a parallel passage which says something very similar. But instead of being filled with the Spirit, and instead of that phrase, be filled with the Spirit, it is switched out in Colossians chapter 3.16 with, let the word of Christ Dwell in you richly. I'm going to say that again. Instead of be filled with the Spirit, it's exchanged with let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Fam, I'm making the case this morning that you show me a person with the Word of God hidden in their heart. And I will show you somebody who has the Holy Spirit in their lives. And from there, we have to ask the question, what will this do for us? If we're full of the Spirit, what is it going to do for us? God's Word ought to make us wise. We just talked about that. When we walk in the Spirit, we're participating in the incarnate Son of God's walk. But meditating on the truth also should do something for us, too. It should have us singing. Y'all, I love singing. I love singing. Paul commands us, and it seems like the fruit of feeling is going to be that we're going to sing. We ultimately find this reason for singing 
in Zephaniah 3.17. In Zephaniah 3.17 it says, He will exult over you with loud singing. Not no soft singing, but loud singing. God's going to exult over you. Guys, can you feel that this morning? Some of you are down in the dumps and I know it. You feel like, does God care about me? Does God care about us? But God is up in heaven right now singing loudly over you. Not no soft singing. I'm going to say it again, but loudly over you. Guys, I can only imagine. Can you remember Hannah's prayer? Oh, my goodness. Hannah, barren for a long time. Guys, I'm excited. I'm about to have a child. I'm about to have a child. This is, it's good news when you're going to have a child. And she starts proclaiming glory to God. Guys, guys, we have a good God. Guys, we have a good God, and he is singing over us. And so our response should be, yo, let's sing with a loud voice to him. Amen. Oh, man. Can you remember David with his heart? Oh, Saul was probably hurting and terrified. He was tormented for his sin. Guys, our sin is evil and destructive. But David... David came with his harp, and God is super merciful. He gave David that harp, and I bet you he was playing that thing. <laughs> I bet you he was playing that thing. It sounded good, I bet. And he's playing. And as soon as he started playing, what happened? Y'all know. The evil spirit left, right? Guys, we got a beautiful song to sing. Maybe that should challenge us in some kind of way. That we should be people who praise God with our heart. Who responds to the God of the universe who sings over us with joy and singing. Oh man. Maybe we should be the kind of people who, when we sing these songs and worship, we don't let these people sing over us, but we sing it over them in the congregation. Because that's what it's for. It's not just about these guys up here singing. Praise God they can sing. Praise God. But we need to be singing up in here. Oh man, if I, man, can I have somebody give some praise to God? Oh man. And I really love this because it doesn't say, oh, you need to sing well. Oh man. Oh man. If you like me, I got some amens before I got to my point. If you like me, being filled with the Spirit does not mean all of a sudden I can start doing runs. Okay, I can't do all that. I can't do all that. But, but, if you look at this next term right here, addressing one another in Psalms in verse 19, in hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your what? Heart. Oh, man. All we need is a joyful heart. A heart that loves God. And that beautiful sound that we make with our lips that don't sound so good sometimes to our ears will be a beautiful song to God. Oh, man. Oh, man. Somebody, somebody in here knows what I'm talking about. You're struggling like me. I'm like, Lord, I'm trying. (laughs) I'm trying to sing, but it don't sound good. (laughs) But it's all right. I know now, after reading and studying this, God's put it in my heart. Sing loud anyways. Love God anyways. 
praise him anyways. It doesn't matter. It's from the heart. Amen. Amen. It should also lead us to be spirit-filled people who are thankful. This has to be rooted, though, in sovereign goodness. Y'all, this has been a hard week for some people that we know, right? You mean I need to be thankful when my house got flooded? My house really did get flooded a little bit. But there was only a little taste compared to what's happening in Oklahoma City and in other parts of Oklahoma where houses are literally falling into the ocean or river because there ain't no ocean in Oklahoma. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. My trailer park has been destroyed by a tornado that came through in El Reno. You mean I got to be thankful? Thank you, Webb. You're right. Paul doesn't seem to give us an out on this. What Paul says to our questions is, yes. Yes, be thankful. The psalmist got it in Psalm 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Paul exhorts in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 18, that we should give thanks for everything. But ultimately, I believe it has to be rooted in Romans 8.28. And we know that those that for those who love God, all things work together for our good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Y'all, does it say some things work out for our good? What does it say? All things work for our good. All things work for our good. You mean that tornado that came through and destroyed my house? Yes. You mean that flood that came for our house? If you believe, yes. I don't know how it's going to work out. I'm not God. But God does. And even still, we can be thankful. This thankfulness is not shallow, correct? That's why we sing it as well, my soul. That's why we sing nothing but the blood of Jesus. That's why we sing set a fire down in my soul. Because sometimes it don't feel like there's a fire in my soul. Asking God to help. And guess what? He will. He will. He will. Finally, spirit-filled submission is one of the goals of being filled with the Spirit. This term, submission, was a military term. It is a picture of soldiers lining up under a commanding officer. Some of y'all know where I'm going with this. Paul's using this to tell people that spirit-filled people are not people. Looking to get leadership in any kind of way. They're not trying to get over on others. But they are an unselfish people. Spirit-filled Christians 
are people who practice mutual submission with one another. Why? Because they do it out of reverence for Christ. No, it's not necessarily because these people in here are better than you that you are needing to submit it to one another. But we're doing it because of reverence for Christ. It has nothing to do with the person to your right or to your left on why you should submit to one another. It has everything to do with reverence for Christ. And ladies and gentlemen, I really submit to you today. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Guys, are you hearing this? Are you hearing the joy and the freedom that can come from this? No longer do we have to be bonded by the tyranny of thanklessness. No longer do we have to be bounded by the tyranny of songlessness. One of the things I love about um, birds, and you can see this a lot in other chapters, in particular Matthew chapter 6, is you can see that the birds of the air, they sing a song. No matter what's going on, they know God's going to provide for them. He's going to take care of them. They just know. And we can be free from wondering where our bread comes from. I know there's some people in here who are struggling for bread. Don't do this alone. One of the things about this passage is that we do this together. I know there's some people in here who are struggling, wondering about, does God love me? I've been through some mess. I messed up my life. I sinned in some kind of way. One of the things I really keep um, with an open hand is I don't want to bring condemnation because I was somebody some years ago in college who dealt too much with alcohol. And God saved me from that. And God is actively filling me with the Holy Spirit so I don't have to go back to that stuff no more. I don't want that no more, y'all. God filled me with his spirit. He gave me his word. And it's so much better. There's so much more joy. There's so much more life. I don't have to go back. And I know God is working in some people right now in their hearts saying, get rid of it. God is working in your heart saying, be thankful. You've had a heart that's, that's saying, I, I'm not thankful for the things that went on, but God wants you to be thankful. You've had a heart that's not wanting to sing. And God wants to change that. You can be filled with the Spirit. If you just dive into His Word, He will transform you. He'll make you new. There's a difference between living with the Holy Spirit in us and being filled and quenching it. All of us in here that know Christ and have given your life to him and said, yes, God, the cross of Christ is real. My sins need to be paid for. I'll take, I'll take that. I'll take your way of salvation. You pinned it. My sins on the cross. I'll take your way of salvation. I will trust in your way. All those who have done that have the Holy Spirit. But we can choose today to walk in it or not. 
That's why Paul is making the command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I pray for you today that you would also be filled with the Holy Spirit. Will y'all leave from here and become Bible-believing, Bible-saturated, God-trusting, God-praising, God-thanking people? Will y'all do that? Let's do that together. And I guarantee our community is going to get changed. We're going to be singing up in here. And people are going to hear us from across the town. We're going to be singing in here. And people are going to feel the word of God get in their heart. We're going to be singing in here. And people are going to be set free. Bonds broken. Chains separated. Freedom coming. If we be filled with the Spirit. Guys, I want to finish today doing something a little bit different. Normally we finish praying. But I feel like this word today has us doing something different at the end of it. I want to sing. I actually want to sing. Acapella style. Yeah. <laughs> it's from the heart. <laughs> So what I would like to do is have everybody stand up. Stand up. What we're going to do is we're going to sing nothing but the blood of Jesus. Just the first verse and the chorus. Okay? We're going to sing it together. We're going to sing it loud. And then afterwards, pray for us. We're going to remain standing and take communion together. I'll go ahead and start us off. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow, no other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Amen. Father, I just pray today that you would help us to be full of the Spirit. Lord, everything else is a weak master. But Lord, you're a good master. Who can give us joy and hope and peace, love and self-control. And I pray that your word would dwell in our hearts and transform us and make us new. Lord, fill us with your spirit. In Christ's name, amen.